Hey, Diz Dads Podcast Plus listeners. This is your host, Aaron Ripmaster. Um, I really struggled with what to do about this week's episode. On the one hand, I felt like the topic of the episode itself was important uh, because it has to do with reopening of the Orlando theme parks. And I know we have listeners who are really interested in this topic. And so it's information that that I wanted to make sure got out. Um, but events in our world have been really overwhelming to me for the last couple of weeks here. And so I didn't feel right just releasing an episode like normal, because it's not normal right now. So by way of compromise, we're going to do both. Uh, I want to be very clear here. What I'm saying first here is is my decision to share, and I'm speaking only for myself. Um, I told both Willie and Tim that I intended to address the topic of uh, police violence and Black Lives Matter, but um, I'm recording this part on my own. If you like it, don't like it, are unhappy about it, let me know. Um, I'm happy to hear from you. But I, I didn't feel like I could release a regular podcast episode this week and leave this completely unaddressed. So I'm going to share with you three uh, three things that were already written. I, I was afraid to just speak on my own because I knew that I would just ramble. Uh, and the first thing I'm going to share with you was written by a good friend of mine. I've known him for more than 30 years, uh, Michael Kleber Diggs. And I want to start with his piece because he's closest to the information. Um, he's a, a, you know, he's a dad like we are. Um, and he's also a, a black man who lives, uh, in the Minneapolis, St. Paul area, rather close, frankly, to where, um, both Philando Castile and more recently George Floyd were killed. Um, and so I, I want to share words that he wrote and that appeared in the Minneapolis Star Tribune, uh, in their online edition this past Sunday. The next thing I'm going to share is something that was written by another old friend, uh, somebody I've known at least two decades. Um, his name is David Suroff. He's a Kansas City local. And, and David, I know I didn't ask you if I could do this, but it was a public post, so <laughs> I'm sharing anyway. Um, and I think his perspective is important because the juxtaposition of his experience as a, you know, a non-person of color, as a white guy, um, is such a stark contrast to the experience that George Floyd had. Um, and then finally, I'm going to share a very brief piece um, that I wrote that is just sort of a summary of, of kind of where I'm coming from right now. Uh, so let's get started with, with Michael. Um, and as I said, Michael Kleber Diggs is, is a dad in um, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, we, ha we both have daughters that are about a year apart in age, and we spent time with them. Uh, actually, not at, not at a Disney park, but we uh, our kids' first experience, my kids' first experiences ever with a theme park environment was at the uh, uh, this kind of mini uh, Nick Universe park in the Mall of America, and he and his daughter joined us for for some of that uh, fond memories of that. When I think about George Floyd, a memory from the summer of 2016 keeps returning to me. Not long after Philando Castile was killed, 
I was eating at a local restaurant, sitting by two men who wondered out loud how the people protesting Castile's death at the governor's residence could spend day and night at the protest site. Don't they have jobs? One of them asked. Though I don't usually talk to strangers in restaurants, I said, I know that's a rhetorical question. Can I answer anyway? I told them that I have friends protesting there. Some are self-employed, some work in social justice, some work for churches. They set aside their work to work there instead. Some are students. Some are using paid time off. Some people protest when they're not at work. And yeah, some people don't have jobs. I explained with kindness that being there felt urgent for everyone there, and for many people not there. When my daughter was learning to drive, we spent 60 wonderful hours together while she practiced. We had many memorable conversations during that experience, including a revisit to The Talk, a common conversation in black households, a time when parents remind their children how they will be perceived in the world sometimes, a time when we tell them how to stay safe if they're stopped by the police. When we had that iteration of The Talk, I recalled videos I've seen of young black women assaulted by the police. The first time my daughter was pulled over, she was speeding on Fridley, going to visit a friend. She wasn't alone, but she was terrified. She didn't know what kind of officer was approaching her. He was professional. She was given a warning. When she called me, she was quite upset, so we talked a bit more about safe interaction with the police. Last week, my daughter and I were talking about George Floyd when she told me that sometimes she worries about the police stopping me. She had the talk with me. I didn't say, don't worry about your dad, because that would imply that my safety is in my control. Besides, her concern makes sense. Peace is among many things I desire for my child, and it would take a long time to express how hard it is to carry the worry she carries for me. Parents concerned about their children in houses where children are concerned about their parents. Houses where difficult conversations are vital, and houses where they are almost unnecessary. People who see protesters and look for ways to help. People who watch them and wonder if they have jobs. All of us drive the same streets. All of us want to feel protected and served. All of us occupy the same space, but we experience it differently. If you don't see it already, I want you to see where we live. I happen to know that if you'd like to have that conversation with Michael, he would love to have a conversation with you. Um, If that's something you're interested in, just shoot me an email and let me know, and I'll pass your contact information on to Michael to get in touch with you. This next piece was written by my friend David Serhoff. Um, Again, somebody I've known for decades. Uh, He's a middle-aged white guy just like me. Um, This is David's reflection on his recent experience. I had the privilege of eating ice cream. A few weeks into the stay-at-home order, I concluded my first Facebook Marketplace sale. While it allowed me to know the identity of the buyer, there were still risks involved when I took a $50 bill from her, in, of course, a socially distant, responsible manner. 
A few days later, I wanted to treat my restaurant-deprived self to ice cream from the drive-thru. I waited at the window forever when finally a manager approached and told me the bill I had handed him was fake. I asked how he knew that. He said they ran it through a machine. I asked if it indicated how or why it was fake, because I knew exactly where I got it and maybe I would get back with that person and maybe the police. He said the machine doesn't tell him how, just that it was fake, and he gave the bill back to me. I then used a credit card to pay. When I got home, I inspected the bill and it appeared legit. I deposited it in my bank a few days later without a problem. Chances are it was genuine and the store's machine was wrong. I had the privilege of not being suspected of knowing that the bill might have been fake, whether it was or not. I had the privilege of calmly discussing the situation with the manager. I had the privilege of being able to retrieve the bill. I had the privilege of not having the police called on me. But had the police been called? And if they had even responded? Would I have been dragged out of my car and immediately handcuffed for a possible fake $50 bill? When common sense is that anyone could unwittingly have fake money on them at any time. Would I have been sat handcuffed next to a wall and later dragged off to a police car? And even if that would have happened normally, would they risk their lives and mine during pandemic over a possibly fake $50 bill? Would I have been pounced on by not just one, but three police officers when I fell to the ground, whether accidentally or on purpose, while still handcuffed behind my back? Would the officers view me as a threat? even while handcuffed and on the ground, because I happened to be over 200 pounds? Would an officer have put his knee on my neck at all? Would he have kept it there, even after I repeatedly called out for my mom or that I couldn't breathe? Would those officers, all four of them, have ignored the pleas of bystanders who would tell them repeatedly that I couldn't breathe, that I was not resisting, that all they had to do was release the knee, and finally after many long minutes, that I was dying. Would my pulseless, lifeless body finally be freed of the knee and placed on a gurney and later declared dead at a hospital? I had the privilege of breathing. I had the privilege of eating ice cream. May we all. Um, finally, my own commentary here, uh, just to kind of wrap all of this discussion up, um, again, as soon as I finish this, there's going to be, uh, an empty spot here. We're going to leave, um, a section of silence in the show in memory of George Floyd, uh, a silent section will remain silent for as long as that knee remained on his neck. Here's my own take on the wave of attempts I'm seeing to deflect attention from police violence against people of color by talking about prior criminal history, black-on-black crime, blue lives matter, all lives matter, etc. All of those discussions are different questions for a different day. It's like you were asked whether you'd prefer waffles or cereal for breakfast, and you answered, "Eh, steak for dinner would be good. Disproportionate use of excessive force by police against people of color 
must be addressed by all of us, because when the police act, they do so on our behalf. Police action is state action, and the state is just the collective expression of us. So just like the good apple police officers need to act to stop the bad apple's behavior, so too it's our responsibility to put a stop to the disproportionate use of excessive force against people of color. It will continue to take place and continue in our names until we demand that it stop.
One, two, three, four. Good evening and welcome back to the Diz Dads Podcast Plus. I'm your host, Aaron Ripmaster, and with me tonight to talk about, yes, we have dates and answers, reopening Florida theme park resorts. With me here tonight to talk about that are my co-hosts, Willie Crocker. Hey guys, welcome back. And Tim Hicks. You're my favorite deputy. And once again, our intrepid guest, Jay Crocker, who is coming to us uh, from the, you know, Willie's closet. (laughs) Thanks for having me back, guys. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, tonight we're going to talk about parks reopening. But before we get into that, we do need to thank our podcast sponsors. As always, Diz Dad's Podcast Plus is sponsored by Wicked Mouse Travel and Mouse Master Travel, both of which are authorized Disney vacation planners and would love to help you with that Florida vacation now that we, hey, know when we can send you back. Uh, and Woo-hoo! you can check them out at their respective websites, wickedmousetravel.com and mousemastertravel.com. We've also uh, still got Kingdom Strollers on board. They're a great service if you're traveling with a a young one in Orlando. Orlando's premium stroller and crib rental vendor. They uh, have a pickup location right there at Orlando International Airport. And it just makes things so easy to be able to just drop the one that's going to wear out fast in the stroller and not worry about it. Okay, so we got the little one in the stroller. We're heading to the parks. When, when, when can we go, Willie? We can go to Disney World at the Magic Kingdom, July 11th. We can also visit Animal Kingdom, July 11th. We have to wait until July 15th for Epcot and Hollywood Studios, but it'll be well worth the wait, guys. All right, so so we're recording this on on June first. We are a little more than a month out from Walt Disney World opening back up, but we at least have solid dates, um, or at least proposed dates, because we have to remember that you know we're going to release this. Disney has said that these are the dates they're planning to open, but all of this, and it's very important, we say this as we go. All of this is going to be subject to change if the conditions on the ground change. You know, if there's a sudden surge of of cases in in Florida or even in, you know, a lot of other U.S. markets, um, they may pull back. But Disney is, is at this point doing all the things they need to do to be ready to welcome guests in the parks on July 11th. Um, Universal is actually getting things going even sooner. Um, Today is June June first. They had their um, team member previews in the parks today, so you might have seen uh, a bunch of posting on social media. Thanks to their team members who are, are local in Orlando, and we're helping them make sure that uh, you know the attractions that have pretty much been turned off for the last two months 
are uh, still in working order. And they're going to be opening up uh, a selection of their hotels uh, starting tomorrow. Um, they're opening in their premier category, um, the Hard Rock Hotel and Lowe's Royal Pacific. Uh, so Portofino Bay for now is going to stay closed. Um, they're also in their sort of moderate category, opening um, Lowe's Sapphire Falls Resort. And in their value category, they're opening um, Cabana Bay Beach Resort, Aventura Hotel, and in their new budget category, um, they're opening Surfside Inn, the, the sort of the older half of the brand new <laughs> Endless Summer Resort. Um, so it's a kind of a lot of hotels opening when you consider the fact that both Universal and Disney have said that they're going to be at roughly 30% of park capacity when they open. So, you know, Tim, why open four or five hotels when they're only going to be at 30% capacity? Well, that's a great question. And I think um, it, it it may not economically make sense. I mean, when you think about it, you, um, and I'm sure we'll get to this here in a few minutes, the whole notion of having to have reservations to even go into the parks, not only the, the, the hotels themselves, but the parks as well, uh, at least on the Disney side. Um, it may not make a whole lot of sense economically, but I think what they're trying to do is create the public face. You know what I'm saying? Uh, create the opportunity for people to be able to get back into the parks, start enjoying the mag magic again. And really, they need, you know, Disney and, and Universal both need to kick the tires a little bit to see what's going to happen, how it's going to work. You know, is, are people going to follow the guidelines? Are they not? Are they going to be kicking people out? Or are they going to have to start over from scratch? I think it's uh, a great opportunity for everybody to just see what's going to happen and kind of work from there. Okay, so I, I think you're you're partially correct in that they they need to get you know things open and, and sort of kick the tires and, and get things working. But just like they're going to be at thirty percent capacity in the parks, I, I think part of the issue here is that they're also going to be at. 30% or so capacity in those hotels. And so if you're only going to fill three out of every 10 rooms at a time, then you have to have lots of hotels open so that you can leave seven out of 10 rooms empty at a time. Exactly. Right. And is that really going to be cost effective to have that many hotels open and operating? It's, it's, I don't know. It's going to, to me, it's a, a Kind of a try and uh, you know a trial and error kind of thing to see what happens. Uh, Thirty percent of the hotels is uh, not a great occupancy rate when you're talking about uh, you know the the hotel industry or, or you know generally the entertainment industry. So, is it going to be efficient? It probably is not. But what does it say in terms of trying to get back on your feet, trying to get the things open again? Well. Remember, 30% is better than zero. Well, it and, is, but now and, you've got the, now you've got overhead that you right, may I not mean, have had before. Well, I but remember that might they might not have had, but you might have had. Right. Because remember that if they don't, if they're not covering it in terms of actual wages, then they're paying the unemployment claims. Right. Correct. And, and as it is, they've got massive unemployment insurance, you know, liability that out comes there now. due every week. But then again, let's think about the fact that um, 
they're not only following their routine cleaning schedules, but they're going over and above. They've got extra cleaning. They've got extra sanitization uh, measures that everybody is taking in every hotel and every theme park. It's going to be uh, it's going to be labor intensive. Well, let's let's talk about a few of those things because there's a whole list of things that I think we're going to be seeing. Well, I don't think I know we're going to be seeing at both Walt Disney World and at Universal Orlando in terms of um, sort of procedural changes and um, things about equipment. Some of this is stuff that we predicted. Um, in some cases, they've actually come down even more, you know, even more strict than we had predicted they might. Um, so first of all, both Walt Disney World and Universal Orlando have been very clear. Face coverings will be required, period. There are no exceptions to the to the face covering None. requirement. We'll wear them. Unless you're under yep. two. Right. Unless you're under two. Well, okay. That's which the is, exception. Okay. Which is consistent with CDC guidelines, right? The CDC guidelines say two years or older. Yes. Um, and I'll be honest. I mean, this is the one that we've seen the most pushback from right away is people complaining uh, uh, about the face masks. And it, it, we talked about this some a month or so ago when we we were doing our predictions about what we thought was coming. Um, but, you know, it, it's been remarkably clear. I mean, it, for all the double speak that we get out of out of entertainment companies, sometimes they've been very direct about this. Everybody must wear a mask period. Did you guys see that meme that was going around that it's like, oh, I can't breathe in these masks. You have no idea. And all the characters at Disney World are like, yeah, yes. hold my dole whip. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or or all the doctors and nurses that wear them 24-7 every Seriously. day of their life. All, <laughs> all the, the frontline workers. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and remember, too, that we're talking about cloth masks. We're not talking about N95s with the filters that are much heavier. You know, yeah, that's what a surgeon might have to wear in a contamination danger zone. That's not what we're talking about guests wearing. They want, right. you know, your basic right. no, cloth no, 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 masks. No. They'll be available for sale at both Universal and Walt Disney World. But the reality is that we're all going to have a supply. Yeah. It's a face mask. It's not an N95. If everyone had to wear an N95, that's a different story, but it's a face and mask. The fact of the matter is, when you're wearing a cloth face mask, the the humidity that you breathe, you know, the the moisture that that you breathe out into the mask actually creates a little bit of help with the protective barrier. So, I'm sorry I interrupted you, Willie. Keep going. <laughs> no, I was just excited that you know, it's a face mask and not having to wear, you know, like a blank certain number or anything. I mean, like you could literally get a shirt that comes up to your nose, covers your nose, and you're fine. Like, well, there's there's some question about that. That's one of those areas where I think we're going to get some clarity as we go on um, because – and and some of this is a matter of getting the, the cast members and team members trained, but um, – what what I'm seeing is that they're trying to find a way to define this broadly enough that people can choose, you know, whatever method is comfortable, but that it's still consistent and in, consistent in terms of of doing its job, which is catching droplets out of your nose or mouth. Yes. 
And I think it's a heck of an opportunity from a merchandising standpoint. I mean, I would I would totally go into the park and buy myself some Disney masks or Universal masks. Hey, Absolutely. Some, some of us may have already pre-ordered those. I was just going to say, Disney Store's got the pre-orders. Uh-huh. They've had them out for two uh-huh. weeks. Yep. That's right. I got, I got $80 worth of masks coming whenever they come. Guilty. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Raise the hand. Right. <laughs> yep. Um, so, so face covers are required. Every cast member, every team member will have them. Um, you know, they understand, yes, you're going to take your mask off to eat. Okay, that's accommodated as well. First of all, uh, it, it used to be very common for people to move tables around, move chairs around to accommodate their families. That's not going to be allowed. Right? Exactly. Well, let's talk a little bit about what's going to happen if you had dining reservations. Are we going to segue into well, that at this point? Let's let's get to that in a minute because that's that's resort specific. I want to cover these sort of general topics okay. that are true of, of both parks because there's some specific things about how each one is is going to handle the situation of number one having some reservations that are already in the systems for people traveling at these dates after they reopen, and then also for how they're going to accommodate additional reservations that come in. You know when the when the reservation systems are are up and running again because as as we record this, Disney has taken their entire system offline. You can't book or modify or cancel Absolutely. or do anything with a Disney reservation at this time. Nope. Nope. Um, all right. So so face coverings required. Um, what I was getting at about the restaurants really is this idea that um, even in the parks, they're going to be enforcing that same. You, you should you used to hearing this by now six foot social distancing between traveling parties basically i mean they, they understand that you're going to share germs with people you traveled with so the key is to keep you from sharing germs with you know willie's family that hasn't already been exposed to you um so six foot distancing yeah, so so let's talk about some of the willie's ways they're going to do that exposed to <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we're gross <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't so, like so Jay, Tim, any, any thoughts about, uh, or Willie, any, any thoughts about, you know, how, how and where we're going to see those six foot distancing, um, enforcement well, things come in? I, it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious as to see not, not the cues so much because I know they can tape down, you know, the stand here, move, stand here, stand here. But I think about some of the bottlenecks that, that occur, um, with theming and areas within the park. I know there's a bottleneck um, that that I run into fairly often close to the Orange Tree Terrace where they've put in the new, um, uh, the new what is it, the Club 33 over there in Adventureland. Uh, before you get to the, the camel and the flying carpets, there's always a bottleneck right there where the bathrooms are and the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. And I'm wondering about that like i'm not worried about the cues as near as much as i'm thinking about just the general crowds of the park um in some of those bottleneck areas right well the the first piece of that is remember that there's going to be roughly two-thirds fewer people in the park right because they're going to be at capacity at one-third which is you know 30 percent of park capacity is less than normal um party ticket sales Okay. Right. That's that's fair to remember then. Yeah. Depending on which party you went to. Sure. Sure. Because that that Christmas party we were at was crazy. They say they sell under twenty thousand tickets. Okay. They say. They say. They're never going to give 
real number. And the at the time of the year, we were there late towards Christmas. Right. It was right. like one of the last Christmas parties of the year. Right. And those so, are always oversold. Oversold. Um, well, because among other things, they they go ahead and sell um, military tickets even when they don't have any left. Um. So the other thing oh, doing was because um, Galaxy's Edge was overcrowded. They were giving people party tickets to oh, get right, them right. out it's of compensation. Right. Oh, so yeah, it might not there be oversold, that. but an extra four thousand people, you know, uh, that are going to overwhelm it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but it, one of the things that they're so obviously what they're doing is that they're reducing the number of people they're going to allow into the park, which should allow for more spacing. The other thing is that. Universal and Disney have both warned that they, most attractions will reopen. There may be some that don't. And frankly, I think that, that the Swiss Family Treehouse is a good example of one that may very well not open because it, it's a nightmare in terms of distancing for a lot of reasons. Yes. And it shouldn't reopen for that very reason. Well, there are lots of reasons it shouldn't reopen. We talked about that <laughs> well, on an earlier show. But. I was going to say, didn't we talk about how we would make a, a really nice cue for <laughs> even Jungle Cruise and Pirates? Even that. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but the key is really that the things that they – if they can't figure out a way to do distancing, it's just not going to be open. Um, and so that's true of, of – I think it'll likely be true of Swiss Tramley – Swiss Family Treehouse, the things that they've already warned us that it'll be true of is um, no fireworks shows, no parades. Um, you know, I, I I think that is also going to mean no Fantasmic, although that one we don't know for sure, because theoretically, since it's a stadium and you can do stadium seating, you could space them out. Um, so it's possible that that'll still exist. We don't know yet. So would Rivers yeah, of Light be open? Thing. I, that's a I good question. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, now, idea. The, the other thing is, though, um, and and this gets us into specific park stuff again, but and so maybe we'll hold into getting into it any deeper, but there are some implications for opening hours, too, um, which, which we'll get to because I think it ties a lot of things together, right? It deals with some of these issues of, of spacing and distancing and, and crowd. It also has to do with some of the budget issues that, that Tim was talking about. Um Okay, but so, can you imagine well, how are they going to handle rope drop? I mean, because that's exactly what that's all about. I mean, rope drop, everybody's crowded up to the rope, waiting for the rope to go down so they can go running off to whatever attraction they want. How are they going to handle that? Uh, again, I think that the biggest help is that there's only a third of the people that are usually there. Um, so, you know, the, the crowd that is, would normally queue up just doesn't exist. So um, are we, are we saying that like, if, uh, is, what is capacity of magic kingdom? It's about a hundred thousand, isn't it? Um, give or take. Um, yeah. So we're, so we're saying that if maximum for the day is 30,000, then, you know, um, which is, seems like a, quite a few still to me, we're, we're saying that they've spread out their entrance much more so than those say, you know, s several thousand that pack the rope drop. Well, and here's the thing. So a hundred thousand is a theoretical capacity for, for Walt okay. Disney world. But the, okay. the stuff that I know, you know, what I've been told is that, that they actually start doing their, their phased closures. Yes. Um, somewhere between 50 and 60,000. Okay. Right. Because even when they accommodate a hundred thousand, it's not a hundred thousand at once. Right. Okay. It's a hundred thousand during the day. 
Um, so, so if we say that normally, you know, they would start to, to be closing around you know, 60,000 or so, then, um, you know, means we're probably talking more in the neighborhood of 20,000 and yes. 20,000, like we said, is, is roughly the number of tickets they would sell to a, a party event, um, you know, that's not the feature one, right? That's not the Halloween night. That's not the week before Christmas. Right. Okay. Um, and the other parks will be commensurately less, right? Because they have less capacity. And and that makes total sense. Um, you know, so for rope drop, if they're not there, they can't be at rope drop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, they just, there's not, the bodies won't be there. Um, and, and I think that's going to, there, there are some other things here too that I think will play into it. So both Universal and Disney um, are also going to be doing additional screening of people as they um, either leave their hotels or come into the parks. Um, they're going to be doing temperature checks. And I know um, I've heard some people express concerns about, about temperature checks as well. Um, just, you know, it, talking about Florida heat and all of that, and if that would be a problem. Um, but it sounds like both Universal and Disney have have thought about this pretty carefully and, and have reasonable um, approaches here. Um, Willie, have you looked at, at what the plan is for uh, temperature checks? They did temperature checks today at Universal at the parking lot between when you parked, you had your temperature check before you even had a thought of walking down the ramp and everything else. And it was hot today. I don't know any numbers of how many people this in a way, but realistically, if you just got out of your car and it's in an air conditioned environment for most people in Florida, your body's not going to be sitting at 102 unless you're sick. Right. Well, and that's the other issue. Nobody's talking about denying you entry if you're at 99.1, right? Correct. Um, the, the threshold temperature that they're saying, hey, this raises red flags is it's yeah. it's 101.4 there it is right. 101.4 really so yeah okay. i mean it's got to be a significant fever and they're they're making every allowance for you to be running you know naturally warm running temperature environmental temperature um the it shouldn't be a some problem. people run high right you know? and, and although, people although run low. interestingly there was just That's like right. a My week ago an article that hit all, you know, it's one of those syndicated pieces that I think is Reuters or somebody and it hit all the newspapers that, that the most common or the, the average temperature has dropped over the last decade and it's no longer really 98.6. <laughs> the average normal temperature is now something like 97.8. So I think that, that makes that a actually lot of sense. is my wife's. Yeah, that's actually my wife's base point. Is right. 98.6 or 97.8. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, apparently that's very if she's common. running higher than that. It's a low grade. So yep. human beings are becoming cold blooded. Um. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> um, all right. So they're doing temperature checks, but, but you know, it, it shouldn't be a problem. Universal because they're opening sooner has, has gone into more detail about their procedure. Um, and, and it's pretty generous. I mean, you know, they'll, they'll screen you. Um, and then if, if you think it's wrong or you think that it's, you know, 
not recording correctly, whatever, um, you can, they'll have um, physicians that you can meet with, you can talk to about the circumstances, about why you might be running a temperature. I mean, look, a woman who's having a hot flash because it's that time of life, maybe there's a reason for it, right? And and they can talk about it in private in a way that's not going to endanger anybody's medical privacy, but... I have that same problem myself. There you go. <laughs> Um, you know, they can make the explanation and, and they'll retest you, um, two more times before they say, you know what, that's enough. You just can't go in. You're stretching you out, right? And they're not okay. going to put you in the dead sun. They're going right. to take you into a room where you feel comfortable. You can relax, let you like be part of the, you know, environment and not sitting in the 98 degree temperature with right. 104 humidity right. where your body doesn't yeah, regulate. Yeah. I mean, all of those initial screenings are going to be done in areas that at least are covered, right? They're, they're either going to do them in the park, you know, in the parking garage, in a tent that they set up. They're, they're not going to do them when you're exposed to the high sun. We might see new areas of the parks we've never seen. Yeah. Oh, I, I absolutely <laughs> think we will. As a matter of fact, Here's the thing. No, Disney said it, uh, right? I mean, it, it, you got to read between the lines for it, but but they said specifically that one of the things they're doing is reconfiguring some backstage areas to accommodate distancing. So, you know, I, I think we're going to have a, a, an all-day section of entry gates and a separate all-day section of exit gates so that you eliminate those places where people, you know, pass pass by face-to-face. Like Main Street is going to be one way, and either they'll, you know, cut off at the flagpole and you go out behind the fire station, or you do the opposite and you go out behind and near Tony's. Like, there's not going to be walking up and down Main Street, like, I don't think. Not the way that we've seen it in the past. No, absolutely not. I totally agree with you, Willie. No. So, um, They've all talked there, so they're doing doing um, distancing. They're closing things they can't distance. They're um, putting in temperature checks. They're doing enhanced cleaning, which means that, for example, they've already told everybody who is at Walt Disney World who is part of the um, you know janitorial crew. They've already told those folks that you are all being called back, and you're all going to be expected to be ready to do full shifts from the time we open. Um, you know, they're going to be much, much more aggressive about keeping things spotless, um, especially anything that is a touch point. So, for example, don't be surprised if you see every ride vehicle get wiped down between every ride. We're going to all smell like bleach before we walk right. out of that park. I don't have well, a problem with that. <laughs> Not just every ride vehicle, but every bathroom, every you know the 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 handles on the faucets, if unless they're touch free, you know everything, anything that anybody can touch, absolutely, they're going to be wiping it down all the time. Right. We went into a local grocery today, and we went into the restroom, and the bathroom literally smelled like bleach, and it made me feel so comfortable. <laughs> it was like. I know this place is clean. Like there's right. nothing that could live in this bathroom, including humans. <laughs> See, I, I, I think that, um, I think chlorine is, have is a, good. Chlorine have, is good. They're going to have a new smell out and it's going to be their new cleaner for whatever this is. So that we all want to have candles and everything else. Well, see, there's a solution. Time. They just need, they just need a Dole Whip smelling bleach. Yeah. 
Oh. They'd make a fortune. I would buy that. You would. I'd We'd all it. buy it. Um, we buy everything else. The the other thing is that that you know even subtle things. So so Disney released um when they made their presentation uh examples of the new signage that they're going to be putting up in the parks. And um the sign that really caught my attention. Now think about where you're going to see this sign. Um, what the sign says is, um, so it says for your safety, uh, maintain physical distancing. And then the other side of the sign says, help us protect the magic. Please limit handling of the product. If assistance is needed, please ask a cast member. Now, where do you think we're going to see this sign? How many different places? Everywhere. Every store, right? Yeah, I was going to say the product, that would indicate the stores. Right, every merch location. And, and, you know, it's a little thing, but I guarantee you that there's going to be a cast member whose job it is to follow along behind every party browsing in the store to wipe down every piece of merchandise that somebody touches. I wouldn't be more surprised if we went to more, like, plastic cases. Oh. And if you want a product, you yeah. take you, you say, I want a four, like you do it a lot of stuff. And I hate to say it, it might help on theft because I know theft is high in a lot of those stores. Well, there you go. Yeah, There's a yeah, side but, but the flip side to that is how many times, how many times does a kid grab a plushie on the way through and give their parents the puppy dog eyes and leave yeah. with a new $25 plushie? Right. But at the same time. You don't want to pick up that plushie two two hours later that the kid sneezed <laughs> on that you didn't know about, right? <laughs> or worse. Right, there right. we go. Um, so so all right. Yeah. So it's a good example though of of enhanced cleaning and and some changes in policy that we wouldn't really normally have expected. I mean, look, it's got to be driving Bob Chapek the merchandiser crazy that he's got to now instruct his people to do the opposite of what he's been training them to do for the last 20 years of his career, which is to arrange merchandise so that people won't want to grab it. Pick it up, take it out of the store with your credit card. Yep. (laughs) But if you aren't going to pay for it with the credit card, don't touch it. Um, no, seriously, there's, there's only so many times you can, you know, bleach spray something, especially when you think about a t-shirt or something like that, because yeah. people do, they pick them up, they look at them, they unfold them, and then they, uh-huh. Well, now, the, the good news, like, uh, the good news is, is if you've been reading, if you've been following along with the stuff I've been sharing about it, um, the good news is that things like t-shirts are probably the least dangerous, Right, because the the data that we have says that natural fibers, in particular, it just the the virus dies very quickly. Um, yeah, but it's perception. It's perception yes, that it is oh, absolutely this person perception. ahead of me just touched this. I'm not going to touch that. Right. That's Plus, true. I mean, realistically, you buy the T-shirt, you don't pick it up and wipe your face and your eyes with the T-shirt. Right. You know, you buy, you get it, puts in a bag, and and, and if you're concerned, you put it in a bag and you wash it before you wear it. I do that with all my clothes anyway. So as do I. Right, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Nothing new for you. Um, now, in general, they've talked about reducing contact points. Um, some of that you're not even going to notice because, especially on the Disney side, right? We're used to magic bands, and they're just going to use magic bands for more and more things. Um, but 
It also is an area where we've already heard some guest concerns um, because reduced contact looks like it also means that, for example, um, we're not going to have the kind of, of character meet experiences that we're used to in a Florida theme park for a while. Well, that stands to reason. You know, I'm thinking about, okay, so I buy something from the the gift shop and I hit my magic band. Okay, that's relatively touchless, but I still got to enter my PIN. They've got to come up with some way for me to do that. Uh, but the character meet and greets, especially, you know, okay, if they're if they're if they're characters that are in a costume and a mask, that's one thing you can spray that down. But what about the characters that don't use that? That yeah. don't use the full blown costume and mask? We've pretty much that's been told that these characters won't exist. Yeah, they're right. going to be long gone. Um, we may we may see some stage performance type things, but even those will be small performances because they don't want to do things that attract a, a big crowd. Right. I mean, like Jack Sparrow over at Pirates is not going to be there because it draws too big a crowd and there's nowhere to put those people. You know, I mean, it's sad because that's a great area for meet and greets. Well, right. And everybody gathers around, right? They want to see that. And it's Disney. They're not going to put, they're not going to put, you know, Ariel out there in a mask or Cinderella out there in a mask, uh, which I, I almost kind of think, is unfortunate because they could use it as a teaching tool by putting them out there in masks, much like we were talking before we started recording. Um, you know, Willie was saying he'd seen some, some video of, of universal characters during their preview that were out and about in masks. Um, I just think they that's great awesome. modeling. I mean, it was, it was um, Scooby, Fred, Velma, and Daphne, and they all had masks on at Universal. And it was really well done because they were up on stages and they were tiered on the stage so that it showed they were six feet apart, they were wearing a mask, and they were still able to interact with the crowd, which was really good on Universal's part. Yeah, that's great. And and so I think we'll still see some of those kinds of appearances on the Disney side as well with costumed characters. Um but, you know, Disney is so brand conscious and so image conscious. Um, the, the message from them has been that, that we shouldn't expect to see face characters at all um, for the foreseeable the future. The other thing is, I mean, if, if you know anything about the Disney Institute and everything, safety is number one yes. in Disney. Like you, you, you start with safety every single time and then you move on to everything else. Right. And that's a good point. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, we, we actually may dive into that even a little deeper when we, when we get into more of the Disney details. Um, but, but absolutely all of this is ultimately about safety. So, um, reduced contact also means that, um, we're seeing some things get adopted more broadly that were already starting to be in place. So, um, on the Disney side, we'll see more restaurants that you can use mobile ordering for. On the Universal side, they've added mobile ordering into their Universal app. So you'll be able to mobile order from their in-park restaurants as well. And they're going to be heavily encouraging people to use that mobile ordering system because, you know, again, any any way that they can reduce standing around, you know, in a compact area, they're going to do it. Um, and so if they can cut down the number of people 
hemming and hawing over what they're going to order in line, they're going to take advantage of doing that. You know, well, I I've, think this is a paradigm shift, you know, uh, uh, yet another paradigm shift, you know, not there, there are so many things that have changed, whether it's, you know, the whole concept of working from home or what have you, you know, this is another shift to say, you know, we're not going to have people standing in line waiting to order their food. You know, you need to do this mobile order. We're going to encourage you to do it. Maybe there'll be even some incentives to do it that way so that all you got to do is when they message you and let you know your order is ready, then you go pick it up. Otherwise, you stand off to the side. I'm sorry, Jay, I interrupted you. No, it's all right. It's I, I hope it encourages them um, to work out some of their IT issues as well. Uh, Willie and I talk about the, the oh, Disney IT issues here and there, and as much as I love this company – um, you know, I stopped doing a lot of mobile ordering because I'm a Tables in Wonderland member, and um, none of the discounts have been available when you mobile order. Uh-huh. It's not factored in. And I'm hoping that if that's going to be the case, that they may have spent some time to work, you know, work out the idea that your annual pass discount or your DVC discount or your Tables in Wonderland discount, even your Disney Visa card discount, would actually um, factor in on the My Disney experience because. You know, if you're there for a week with a family of four and you're missing out on 10 to 20 percent per meal because you're mobile ordering rather than walking up to the window, that's a lot of money. Right. Great well, point. Aaron, you and I saved a bunch of money. We did. We did. And, and the other <laughs> thing is that, you know, if they're going to promote being touchless and and reducing contact, I mean, that's a great example of it. It that has been one of the great holes, right? Of of all of these that we've been dealing with is no matter where you go, no matter where you shop, you still have to at some point hand somebody your card or touch the touchpad, and um, it, it's it seems a no brainer, right? That that ought to be an area that that would just be an easy fix and would have a substantial effect on the number of contacts that you're actually making. Um, so your point is very well taken. To say more on on the idea of context too, it makes me wonder about even with the magic bands that um, I am a huge fan of. I, I think it's fantastic the keying in of your pin, um, whether they are going to even continue with that because that's another touch point that every merchant at a cart or or anywhere else would then have to clean between between people as well. Yeah, the problem with that exactly one is that it's a right. security issue. Um, and I'm wondering, I mean, there, there are a number of ways to solve that security issue. Um, you know, I'm not sure which one they'll take. W- one that comes to mind that seems perfectly viable is that if everything is already linked to your My Disney Experience account, which is already accessible on your smartphone, there's no reason that you couldn't be entering your code on your phone instead of on their exactly path. agreed completely agreed right? it's or just like no using it couldn't do that it's just like using your phone to put your password in for your your disney plus login right well exactly. and in the world of multi multi-factor authentication i mean why not i mean they can send a send something over to your phone where you can go oh yeah that's me click done right. absolutely and there are all kinds absolutely. of things you could you could key in the pin yourself you they could send you um a qr code that that they scan you know there are plenty of solutions, so it's doable. It's just a matter of having the will to do it and the the time to get it done. And, and the resources. Uh, that's that's because what I think it is. It's time let's face resources. it; it's more than yeah, more than just time. You got to have people that can program that stuff. And as we know, 
we love Disney's IT. <laughs> All right. well, I've gone on this rant privately before. I don't know that I've ever done it on the show before. I maybe have. But just to, to help people understand a little bit, because frankly, I think that the, the Disney um, interface folks have come a long way over the last couple of years in particular, um, which is, is a good thing. I know some of those folks, and it feels good to know that <laughs> I think they're doing a good job with that. Um, the, the problems with Disney's IT are almost all related to the back ends of their system. And uh, without going into the whole deal, the bottom line is that all of those My Disney Experience systems are still separate systems. And they have they've asked their front end people to knit them all together so that you, to you and I, it looks like one unified system. In reality, it's something like 15 different database systems and we're not there yet all running on old-fashioned big iron in glendale right they're running iron, did you say iron lungs what <laughs> yeah, pretty much yeah. pretty much um well yeah so None of there's us only were born. so much they can do but the the, the front-end designers for, you know smoothing out as much as they have is pretty darn impressive um, all right, there just three other quick things that I wanted to touch on that are common to both um, Disney and Universal here. Um, one is that there's all of these precautions are great. They still can't make any promises to you. They can't guarantee you that you're not going to catch a communicable disease. So be aware if you're high risk, if you live with someone who's high risk, if you regularly spend time with someone who's high risk. Consider your options. Maybe you need to wait a little bit longer. Maybe you need to come and self-quarantine when you get home for 14 days before you go and check on grandma. So just think ahead um, and, and, and keep those things in mind. The last um, is that, and this is fluid, it may change, but as of today, it has nothing to do with Disney's choices or Universal's choices. The state of Florida says that if you come and visit Florida from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, or Louisiana, any of those four states, you're obligated to self-quarantine for 14 days after you arrive or your entire trip if your trip is fewer than 14 days. That means that if you're from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, or Louisiana, you probably need to wait because you're technically going to be in violation of the law if you go into the parks and are visiting from those states. Prior to your 14 days. Yeah. And most people, that's what they're taking is at the max 14 days, if even that. Yeah. And I'm not, I won't be surprised if other states aren't added, including my current state. Just because of, yeah, I mean, we, we went over 100,000 cases today. Right. Right. So. Well, th supposedly it's based on, on infection rate, right? On the percentage of positive tests that are still coming back. Um, and those are the states that are, are still above what they consider to be a safe threshold. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. And, and that's something to watch, right? Because as you were saying, it, it could change over time as we have isolated outbreaks here and there, you know, new states are going to bump up onto the, uh, you know, onto the watch list, basically. 
Well, right. And, and I can say this, having been a resident of Colorado, there are places in Colorado, not all of Colorado, but there are places in Colorado where people are refusing to, you know, to pay proper heed to, uh, uh, to good advice, you know, in terms of, um, well, okay, everybody, I'm sure everybody that watches the news knows what happened on Mother's Day when there was a restaurant in Castle Rock, Colorado, that decided to just open up for Mother's Day. And there were scads of people in there. I mean, it was packed. And the people were not practicing social distancing. And people were not wearing masks. In those cases, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well, maybe the health department did the right thing by pulling the license of that restaurant. But what about the people that were there? Shouldn't they be in a 14-day quarantine? That's what I think. But, of course, the way... Those people are thinking is that's an invasion of my rights as a U.S. citizen, blah, blah, blah. But it's it's protection of people. And when you ignore that, it puts more people at risk. It causes the dip or at least the deceleration of the rate of infection to change. And in, instead of decelerating the rate of infection, you've created a second wave. And that's what we're really trying to avoid. And I don't know if that's what the, the theme parks in, in Florida and California both are trying to avoid. Right. So the last thing I wanted to mention, um, there's one thing about Universal that is, is sort of unique to them that I think is worth worth mentioning. That is that Universal is um, opening both of their parks. They're still going to be offering their early admission uh, for their their hotel guests. Um and which is going to be a little odd because, frankly, the way this is happening as they open, everyone is a hotel guest. So everyone will be eligible for early admission. Um, but they're still going to have their early admission. Um, and they're still going to be opening Volcano Bay, um, their water park. If we ship, shift over to the Disney side, as we get into some of the detail about Disney, one of the details that has recently come out is that that by what July 15th, right? All the four major theme parks will be open. The water parks will not. Um, at this point, there is no opening time frame for either um, Typhoon Lagoon or Blizzard Beach. That's exactly what I was going to say is what about those two? Because is that the easiest way to spread a communicable disease or not? Absolutely it is. But they don't know that 100%. With pools. Right. I mean, it's the a coronated pool. But I th- okay, that's coronation. Standing okay. in line, I mean, how, how easy it to go up one of those huge rides is it to stay six feet apart going up, you know, I mean, what is it, six, seven stories? You know, what, what right. do you have, 12, 14 people in line? I mean, like, is it profitable so for them to open how much that protection? Room? How much protection do you get from chlorinated water? I mean, we don't know that's, yet. That's something uh, th- exactly. That's something I don't know. I think so, the other thing is, is we talked about the idea of touch points. After somebody goes down a slide, what do you do? Pour a bucket of bleach down it until the next exactly. person goes, or are we assuming that the running chlorinated water is enough because we don't have that information? I think that's our very key. It's not just about social distancing, but the touch points of the the slides themselves. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Um, and, and I think we'll see how it goes. They have said that, um, if you're just around on the deck at, at Volcano Bay, and this is true of the pool decks at Disney as well, you'll need to be wearing a mask. 
Um, but if you are on a slide or in the water, you're not required to wear a mask. Um, and how's uh, that going to work? You know, at the Polynesian. <laughs> Prime example: you, you got a nine-year-old and a five-year-old and a thirteen-year-old. Yep. Whoa, and whoa, by whoa, golly, whoa, they want to be in the pool, right? Right. And they're and they're waiting for the green light. And they're waiting for the green light. Well, they're waiting. That's for the, green the light. issue. It's the in and the out when they're getting in line exactly. for the slide and all that. Uh-huh. And and they the are going to want them to have masks on, you know, when they're, but, but then again, you know, they're going to, they're, they've got to take the mask off before they go down the slide and what are they going to do with it? And you don't want them to hand their mask to somebody else. Cause that's not sanitary. Oh, the kid sneezes in his arm and then gets on the slide and pulls the handlebar. You know, it, it there's so many. Right. And like, that's, we'll just have to right. see how that oh, goes. I mean, and that's I, why they're not opening. That. Yeah, I'm going to take I, my mask off and pick my nose. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right. okay, why are you even wearing it? Right? I mean, because it does <laughs> okay, look I like got you guys. on on the Disney side as well that the the hotels are going to be opening their pools and and they're not requiring masks in in the pools. Um, we'll see if if those become hot spots, they'll close them in a hurry. Um, and we still have twenty something days before those hotels and pools even think oh, about opening i guarantee you that disney is going to be watching the infection rates from volcano bay with you know bated breath trying to see you know how things go there i mean there's gonna be if not thousands of employees visiting the other theme parks around florida and anywhere else seeing what's going on what can go right what can go wrong I hope it all goes well. You know, I mean, obviously, this is our passion. We'd love to go to these places. So, you know. But a couple of weeks after the reopening, we're going to know. We're going to know. And now you know why they've put their date so far out. Yeah, absolutely. So, so digging a little more into Disney, because there are some more specifics, and it makes sense that there are, right? Because we've talked about on the show before that a, a Disney vacation generally involves significantly more advanced planning, especially at Walt Disney World, as compared to Universal. And it just does. We're used to 180-day booking windows. We're used for dining. We're used to 60 days in advance for fast passes. And, hey, 75 days if you book concierge level, because, you know, that's what we need is – Longer in advance to book our fast passes, um, but even Universal, yeah, even Universal. Well, no, there's no, but, planning but, that goes with that. Yes, but but, but there's, I, I'm with you, I'm right? With there's you. more detail, and 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 that's had an effect. We talked earlier about the fact that Disney's taken their entire system offline; all their entire reservation system has come offline. Um, so we need to talk about what that means because if you're looking at doing a vacation when they reopen in July, August, September, um, it, it's going to look different than what you're used to, especially if you're booking it sometime in the next couple of weeks. Because first of all, you're definitely not booking it, you know, today's June 1st. You're definitely not booking it, uh, probably not this week. I mean, there's a chance they'll get things up, but I don't expect it. We're probably a week, maybe two weeks before we've got a a functioning reservation system at all. Um, But if you get in and try to pull up your reservation now and you have an existing reservation, don't get upset because you're going to see some things missing. <laughs> so exactly. What's you missing? We, and we've been put missing. on notice. Every, everything is everything through what September is going to get automatically canceled. Uh, and, you can't and, even and make reservations in November. Well, Jay tried well, to do his trip. 
and couldn't do okay. anything. But it only makes sense because we're we're feeling our way through this. This is nothing that we've experienced before. So, you know, this is what we're doing. We're trying to feel our way through this and figure out how to reopen, how to to reestablish our advanced reservations, whether it's dining or, or rides or what have you. Well, and and go ahead, go ahead, Willie. And if you don't really like it. Don't go. Like, stay home. Wait for it to be how you want it to be. Don't go down expecting it to be how it used to be. Because the grocery store is not the same. Target's not the same. Anywhere you go is not the same right now. I mean, what's it like to sit down at your restaurant? You don't sit down at your restaurants in most states. You have to go get the food, take it home, and eat it in your house. So be ready for to do a lot of things like that at Disney. So here's even at the even at my favorite restaurant, you know, we went in before we left Colorado and it was like it was so weird because we sat at this table and I could see this table was closed and that table was closed and this table was closed because, you know, we're trying to observe social distancing. So if that doesn't work for you, hold off. Just wait. Okay. It'll be it'll be sooner or later, it'll be what you want it to be right now. It's not that way. All right. So let's talk about just for a minute what's going to be gone. Um, there's no fast pass plus reservations. First of all, parks are going to be at 30% capacity. There's no need for them. Um, and more importantly, in order to maintain distancing, they need the queue space. So rather than using two separate queues, they'll consolidate no fast pass plus at all during this initial phased reopening. Um, for now, all those dining reservations that you made 180 days in advance for your trip in September, they're gone. They didn't have any choice because, again, just like the parks are going to be at 30% capacity, the restaurants are going to be at 30% capacity too. If they're at 30%, I don't know if they're going to be that full. Well, that's a good point. Um, they Many of them may be at less than that. Um, some of it is just a matter of, of timing and, and working out what the shift changes are going to be in things because, for example, I, I don't uh, – well, they've said we're not going to have – have um, the character meet and greets. So we're certainly not going to have character meals and we are not going to have buffet uh, service styles. So, you know, I, I don't know that Disney even knows what the capacity of, you know, Crystal Palace is if it's her family style. They've got or if it's that family style, it's still a buffet, but it's like what they were doing on the cruise before this started, where they serve you your food. Uh, but I don't think they're going to do that yet in this phase because okay. because to do that, you have to queue up to get your food. Oh, but uh, right. And they're not going to have four people walking up. They're going to have exactly. one person at the most. Exactly. They want to have, all have a cast member saying, okay, the rest of you back up. Well, back because up. the cast member, right, the cast member will have their mask on going back and forth to get food. You're sitting at your table eating, you're going to have your mask off. So they don't want the people without masks getting up to get food and having to send people back to the table because they don't have a mask on and because they forgot all this stuff. Um, so, you know, capacity is going to be no more than 30%, but Again, some of this is dependent on restaurant configuration because they've got a, they they've said that they're committed to seating people in restaurants at six foot distance as well, which means that at most they're filling every other table, right? Um, and in this Crystal is, Palace, there you sit on top of each other. 
Yeah, so, that ain't going right? to happen. Right? No. That's not happening anymore. And no. I, I think about like the San Angelin in the Mexico Pavilion. Yep. Yep. Uh, those tables are right on top of each other, too. Well, I mean, you know, Tim's home away from home at La Cava. I think they can have five people in the entire place. Right? So you got to take the bartenders out? <laughs> they'll they'll have masks. Gonna do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, they're going to let me in, but the rest of them, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for your wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll take pity on her. Yeah. <laughs> But, but I mean, this is, this is the issue. So that's why they've taken all these systems or a part of why they've taken all these systems offline. Um, right now, Disney is saying that their, their target at least is that you'll be able to, to make dining reservations 60 days in advance, but that's 60 days in advance. Once the systems get back online at the moment, they're not even online because I think that the the issue is that at this point, they don't even know what the capacity of these restaurants is because they've got to go back and it's some pretty complex math to figure out what the actual capacity, because this is more than simply being able to divide square footage. They they have to. And exactly. Some restaurants are going to be more popular than the others and they, uh, and, and they've got to take that into account. They know this. It's not just popularity. It's design and airflow. So think about this. Think about the way seating is arranged at um, um, Coral Reef, right? Where you've got tiers of seating. You can't do that because you can't have people at the base of those tiers essentially sitting in the air from (laughs) the people above. From the upper tiers from the middle deck down. Yeah. Everyone below has a chance of getting sick. Right. a chance. Right? A chance. Obviously, a better, it's not a, a better chance. chance than the people above, and and Correct. that's been. I mean, it's been really intriguing to me. I've been been looking at some of the the stuff, the research stuff that's come out because they've been able to. There's enough um, detailed evidence from from sort of. Um, I want to use the word microburst. That's not really what they call it, but super spread events. That's it. From super spreader events, where they've been able to go back to those locations and trace because they they know enough of who was in the restaurant and even where they were sitting, right to be able to see what the flow dynamic is. And I mean, there are things that they're going to have to take into account that, that require engineers to go back into the space with tape measures and, you know, uh, uh, air monitors, and they're going to have to test. Thank you. Yes. Even the, uh, the air monitors, you're exactly right. Because no matter, you know, how, especially, you know, Coral Reef is a great example how are you going to engineer the airflow so that the people who are below aren't being affected by the people above? That's a that's great just example. It. They can't. They're just going to have to not seat those. But but that's my point is the restaurant as a whole, they, their target is 30%, but it can't be 30% necessarily because well, – if the, whole, if the restaurant holds 100, how do they put 30 people in there? Right. Exactly. Right. Right. Because if, and it's going to be like we show up basis, together right? as a family of four and, you know, I'm just using my family right. and we sit dead center because that's the first table that's open or even to the right. The people down and down are totally affected by us. So now you have to move, let's say, eight to be. ten feet left. 
Right. But that's you're, just it. You're, they're, they're not going to use that table, right? That's the whole point. They're going to have to go right. through, and, and we've seen the examples of the signs. There will be some signs on tables that say, this table is being left empty for your protection. And, mm-hmm. and it's going to be true in the quick service restaurants, too. That's why I made the reference to not moving chairs, right? They're going right. to ask and, you not to do that. Yeah. Um, because they've got to maintain the distancing. And, and in a restaurant like and, Coral Reef, they may be able to use half of the tables in the top tier because they've got to put a table in between empty to maintain distancing. And once they do that, they have to completely skip the middle tier. And then they or do, do they put up plastic? Well, and then they need to do an analysis and see what the airflow is doing. And if the people in the bottom tier are, you know, far enough away that it's dissipated by then or, or whether it's safe to put people there. I mean, it's complicated. Yeah. If 25 feet, then you might be okay. So, okay. So yeah, like you said, skip the middle tier, but there's a lot of money. And and this goes back to the economics I was talking about at the top of the hour. It goes back to how much is it going to cost us to actually be able to reopen and be effective and try to be profitable? Well, some place like Le Cellier, um, I've eaten there a lot. What are they going to put in? 12 people in there? Maybe 16? That's a restaurant where the configuration might help them because it is kind of broken up a little bit. And you can probably still, get another table still, or two. I mean, you have the little back room area, yeah. but it's still tight in there. Yeah. Like yeah, you take does. you take twelve tables out of there. Oh yeah. What do you what do you have? Two servers working? Right. I yep. mean otherwise I, they're not gonna make any money either. No, exactly. I mean you can't have five or six servers working. I mean, how much can you raise the price? Right. Well, and that's just it. And and they're going to be reluctant to do that. They don't want to raise the price because as it is, people are going to be reluctant given the fact that they're going to this I mean, they're not. And it's already a two-table service, right? Correct. Well, we don't have have dining plans right now, so. So that was the next thing I was going to get to. So given the reduced capacity, right, the other thing that they've done is say, we're just getting rid of dining plans for now. For the for and it, and it's got to be killing them because they just rolled out this brand new plan this this plus plan that was you know we yeah. talked about before that's the sweet spot between the Disney dining plan and the deluxe dining plan they just rolled exactly. it out and they've got to cancel all of them because they're they want to make sure you know they don't want to sell something that that they know going in they may not be able to fulfill and they've always warned people when they get a dining plan that they're not guaranteeing them a reservation. But it's a, it's another thing to go into it knowing that, you know, you've got all these people with with dining plans and, you know, you're you're at such reduced capacity that you, you can't guarantee that they'll be able to redeem their credits. Your chances of being able to get where you want are significantly reduced. No, yes they are. No. Yes and yeah, no. It, it no, depends on where. Really, because the popular places are going to fill up even qu- more quickly than they were before. And you're going to be left with whatever's left. Except Am that I the right? popular places are going to change. Places. Right. Like Chef Mickey's is no longer going to be popular because there's no buffet. There's no character like, yeah. interaction. Who's, who's paying $150 a plate at Cinderella's Royal Table with no princesses? Right. Well, there is that. No princesses, no fairy godmother, no, yeah. Mm-mm. All of a sudden, you know, places that we, you know, I don't want to say mock, but we can go in and get a really nice meal for 40 bucks and walk out. We probably are going to be more excited than, this is you know, why this. I say we're, we're seeing a paradigm shift. You're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, 
all of this is going to remain fluid. It's going to change. I think it's it's 17 times before July 1st. Yeah. Well, and even afterwards, it's going to keep changing because they're going to keep tweaking to get it right. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if we see two or three waves of, you know, restaurants that opened initially being closed and others opened because the logistics just don't work or the economics just don't work with that particular menu. Well, you're right. It has to stay fluid. It really does because we don't know what we're dealing with. We've never dealt, but we haven't dealt with this thing since well, longer than I've been alive. Which is longer say, than long any before Disneyland you guys opened. Have been alive, right? Before they before they started mailing Magic Band, certainly. Um, exactly. Well, I mean, before they even had paper pass passes. I haven't been inside inside a restaurant since March twelfth. We cannot go inside a restaurant. Yeah. We can't, I mean, like, you know, like all of a sudden, like if I had to think about going in a restaurant today, I'd be like, holy cow, that's a new experience for me again. I, I will say I did actually meet somebody for a, a breakfast meeting last week for the first time um, at the shack here in, in Overland Park. I will give the shack a lot of credit. I was very impressed with the way they handled things. Weather was nice. They put up a sign outside that said, please don't wait for your party in the lobby. Either wait in your car or uh, meet them out front because um, they're trying to reduce, you know, people congregating indoors. Uh, when I went inside, absolutely everybody was wearing a mask. The The hostess was wearing a mask. The servers were all wearing masks. Um, most of the people in the restaurant were wearing masks, which I was somewhat surprised at, but very pleasantly. I, I don't know. Maybe I think a little too harshly of my fellow Kansans sometimes. Um but, um, you know, sat down, they sat us in a, a room off to the side and they were being very conscious of, you know, putting as much distance as they could between people. Um, we chose the restaurant because we know it's a pretty big sprawling restaurant. So we knew they'd have the ability to do that. Um, the only other person in the same sort of, um, section of the restaurant that we were in was somebody who clearly worked there, um, who was working on employee schedules. And so they sat at the table and had a mask on the whole time. Um, you know, the person I was meeting with, he and I took our masks off while we talked, but, um, you know, and ate, but, but other than that, everybody had masks on the whole time. They had, you know, huge things of hand sanitizer that were dosing out <laughs> more hand sanitizer than you could possibly get rubbed in. That's what we got at Lowe's yesterday. Yeah. Literally, it was like, what am I going to do with that? I could have taken a bath right. in it. The pickle jar <laughs> full of, of – Let's yeah. bring, this, bring this back around to Disney. Or is that what we're going to see at Disney? You know, you walk into a restaurant, are there going to be hand sanitizers like we've not seen before? Yes. Um, not just yes. at restaurants. All yeah. over. All over. Universal, Universal today, when We're you went into the restaurant, the first thing you did, you got hand sanitizer. The second thing you did is they asked you sanitizer. where to sit. <laughs> if you yeah. were on a dining plan, one person went up after you mobile ordered and used your dining plan and paid at the register. Because their app isn't ready for dining plans yet. Mm -hmm. Because it was just too fast. Right. And then that person came back. But one person got up from the table. And the whole tables were spread out perfectly from what they said. Well, and, and, and Universal is, has been saying, and you know, we'll see it in practice, but they're going to have sanitizer at every attraction. And they're going to expect you to use the hand sanitizer as you go in to every attraction. And to 
to Disney Cruise Line's credit, that is the case anytime you get off the ship at a port of call. When you get back on, you're expected to use that hand sanitizer before you even get back on the ship. Yep. And I don't think it would be expected anymore. I think it's going to be required. Yeah, they're going to they're going to ask you to hold your hand out and they're going to put the stuff and they're in going your to hand. Do it for you. Exactly. They're going to make sure you get that. Absolutely. Yeah. I I see that happening across and the country. And they have to do it. All right. So so yeah. we've talked about some of these things and and let's be honest, it it feels maybe a little bit like it's a negative and and I get that and I've had guests already who had vacations that, you know, they'd held on to the reservations and they're looking ahead now and and they're supposed to travel in, you know, October November and they're seeing these requirements and these changes and they're not happy. Um and they're they're trying to weigh their options. I, I think that there are legitimate questions here to ask and, and considerations to take because it's true. A lot of this is going to be unfamiliar. Some of – people keep talking about a reduced experience. It depends on what you were going for, right? I mean, if you've got small children and your primary reason for going was to meet princesses, your trip's going to be a bummer. Yeah, reschedule, please. Everybody will be happier if you reschedule. But for a lot of folks, I mean – Think about what what Disney parks are going to be like with a crowd that's one-third of, less than one-third of normal crowd. Think about your experience in the park and what that can be like. That, and that is exactly why... You know, I'm I have a July 27th reservation, and that is exactly why I'm hanging on to it. Um, I I am thinking for our adults only trips that we tend to take. You know, every once in a while we have a young family member, or we meet Willie and his family there. Um, I'm thinking this could be one of the best trips I've ever taken um, because of that very reason that the no need for waiting in long standby lines. You know, as the fast passes go through, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I think if you approach this from the right mindset, you could create an incredible vacation experience in a way that you could talk about for the rest of your life because it may never happen again. And hopefully a pandemic doesn't ever happen again. I don't mean that I'm excited there's a pandemic. I'm just saying that Disney is working hard to create a new type of magical experience. Again, as Tim said, a paradigm shift, you know, as we as we wade through these uncharted waters. Okay, and I, I love, think you're 100 right. Jay. I love it's I the, that it's the one right. non-travel agent on this call, on this podcast right now who just said that. <laughs> You've trained him well, Willie. Yeah, right. Well, because I, that's that's the fact of the matter is your travel advisor is going to be helpful to you in terms of how do you want to vacation, and that's the whole thing is. If we can make this experience work for you, like Jay said, you know, is it something where you can chill back a little bit and maybe not be so concerned about this or that, but just relax and enjoy that vacation? We can help you figure out what that means, what that looks like for you. It doesn't have to be bang, 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 go from this ride to that ride to this experience to that experience. We can help you really relax and enjoy the fact that the parks are only 30% filled up the other thing is if this is like your four generation family trip this is not the time for that like this is when you need to rethink what's going on in the world 
all over the world and be like, you know what? In a year and a half, we can make this work. This is not the time to be bringing grandma, great grandma, the five-year-old, the three-year-old, and you know, mom and dad and everything else. This is the time to take advantage of the adult-only trip. The trip that doesn't have 17 different dining options that you have to have. This is a time where you make adjustments and move around the parks. How Disney or Universal wants you to do it. Thank and, you. That's my favorite way to do this. Well, and, and I want to oh, add yeah. that that I think that this is also an ideal time to be traveling with teens. Because especially teens who have been you know, sequestered at home now for months. And these are the kids that sometimes it's hard to take that family vacation together because, you know, they're just, they're not into having spending time with their family and, uh, you know, all that. But you know what? This is, this is a fantasy release for them. And God help them. Let me tell you, these teenagers need that so much right now. You know, get them out, get them outside get them interacting with their families in a way that doesn't involve, you know, battles over who's in control of the streaming service and, and, you know, who's on the computer next and who's using too much bandwidth. Um, and, and do it in a more laid back way where you don't have as much pressure about reservation here at this time, reservation there at that time, it'll be more, a little bit more laid back. Now you are still going to have to plan, um, because the other piece of this that we haven't talked about is no fast pass plus they're going to reduce the dining planning windows. You are, however, going to need both your park ticket and a park reservation. We don't know even right. exactly what that's going to look like yet. That's part of this new system. It's part of the reason they've taken this all off offline. Um, I gotten some questions lately about park hopping and people who already have park hopper tickets. We don't know. Um, it may be that you can make a morning reservation in one park and an afternoon reservation in another park. We have no idea yet. We just have to wait and see. It would not surprise me if they limited you to choosing a park for the day just for contact tracing reasons. Um, if they do that and you have – eliminate a park hopper. Well, right? that's what I was just getting like to. That? If they do that, then I guarantee you – and and I don't do this very often because it's not up to me. It's not a choice I get to make. But I can pretty much guarantee you that Disney's going to refund the cost of that park hopper, just like they're refunding the dining plans that they're canceling on people. That this is, you know, we complain about things that Disney does a lot, but but this is one of those things that they have consistently gotten right. Um, so you know, if if park hopping is not available, they're just going to refund it. You're not going to have to worry about it. It's not going to be one of those things where you have to cancel it or you're going to get stuck paying. Since March 15th, I would say Disney's gotten almost everything right. Agreed. Universal's done a very good job, and I can't knock them, but Disney has gotten everything right. From extending your annual pass to extending the DVC contracts for points with people to basically refunding non-refundable park tickets. They have done everything. They were never doing before and didn't bet an eye and you got your money back very quickly for what's going on and how many people are canceling. Yeah. And I just, I wanted, I wanted to second something that Aaron said about, you know, your teenagers that, you know, have been cooped up and, you know, feel like, you know, they're out of touch and everything. This is the 
prime opportunity to reconnect and let them feel like a part of the magic. I think this is the best opportunity you as parents of teenagers, especially later teenagers, are going to have to really reconnect, to let them be a part of the magic, to let them be a part of your life. So, um, you know, again, I'm I'm kind of hyping up the the travel advisory part of this, but it's something that is really important, and and that's something that we as experienced travel personnel have seen in the past. And um, I would totally encourage you that right now, especially if you have later teens, this is the time that you want to do that. To want you want to involve them. And uh, and create a magical experience before they go off to college or life or whatever they do. Well, Tim, I think what you said there at the end is the key. Really, is that as those older teens, especially, this is a situation where because it's not the planning is going to be a little more straightforward. It's going to be a little shorter notice. It's easier for them to be involved with it. It's easier to let them be in charge of putting your days together. Um, and you know, you can really empower them and and have them be the decision makers and and have put you know some of the control in their hands and some of the responsibility in their hands too how many time for that can plan something 180 180 days in advance or even 190 days they can't plan two days in advance right not with you don't have that now wow and so this is a great opportunity right yeah well the other thing i'm thinking about the um like the Skyliner. Yeah. How nice is the Skyliner going to be? You get your own car no matter what now. Oh, yeah. It's guaranteed it's your own car. Oh, yeah. You never have to worry about who the guy across from you that's sneezing or coughing. It's your car. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to clean that car before it goes back out. It's going to be way easier to use a Skyliner. And I guarantee you, I know Disney wishes they had built that Skyliner all around those properties now <laughs> because right. that. Well, and, is, and, you know, people should know this is one of those issues that's going to be, um, you know, you're, you're going to have to be ready to roll with a little bit at both Universal and at Disney because one of those pieces that nobody's really going to be able to predict reliably until it's done a while and they've tested it a while what happens when you reduce capacity in the transportation as well um you know skyliner is easy skyliner is kind of basically built to operate around your average party size and if the park capacity is reduced it's not a big deal that you know you're only going to put two people in a car most of the time but the bus service and the um and the monorail that's, and the boats that's a whole different problem isn't yeah it? It's a, it's a lot different, and and that's going to take some some work on the scheduling and the cycling of those things. You know, there may be some times where you have to wait around for transportation a little bit because they're not going to put people like sardines in an extra long bus out of Pop Century. It's not going to happen. The other thing I've thought about since day one, Magical Express. Think about what they used to do. I mean, we've all been sitting at the airport. We just got off an airplane. We've been combined in that little bitty seat for two to three to four or five hours. And the next thing you know, and you get on that little bus and there's, what, 63 people or whatever. How many people are they going to put on the bus now? Oh, yeah. I mean, it'll be half. At the most. Right. Well, you got to figure it's going to be half like because, because the distancing only has to be between parties, right? Not between parties, individuals. Parties, right. Right. 
So my family of four can all sit together, but they're going to put a full row between us and the next mm-hmm. right. and the next family, so and they're not going to seat anybody now next to us. Some some rows. Right. The, well, they're going right. to stagger it. Right. right. My Aaron, family sits, and, and, and my guess is, I can't guarantee it. My guess is they're going to assign seats. Right. Of course. They're going to tell you, okay, you're sitting in these seats, and then the next party will sit in these seats, which is forward from you a row and on the other side. And, you know, that's how they can fill them and, and get the most people in them, but at the same time establish distancing. Um, and wear your mask. Yeah. Well, and they're, and they're going to tell you to put them on, yeah, <laughs> you know, if you haven't already. I'm sure they'll and have a stand set up to buy them where, <laughs> when you go to get more. Or you've got. Yeah, where you've got a handicapped person in a wheelchair. You know, I'm not, I know I'm not the only one. You know, they've got to lift the wheelchair up and have their party in a specific section. You know, so that's going to have to come into play as well. It's going to change so many things. Orlando International, I can't even imagine the changes there as we're thinking about Disney. Just think about that airport. Yeah. Oh, and, and it's going to be interesting. And I was going to say, you know, one thing, if, if this is the kind of trip you're thinking of taking, I, I would say, get that airfare, book it now, because um, airfare is only going to get more expensive. Um, folks, here's the thing. Um, you know, I think I've mentioned before, it drove me crazy when all these Wall Street analysts started talking about get, being able to get all these cheap vacation deals once we could travel again. The economics don't work. This isn't, this isn't you know, the Dominican or Mexico recovering from some bad news. And so... You know, it, it, their costs didn't change significantly. They just had to find a way to encourage people to use the capacity they already had. These resorts are undertaking huge amounts of cost to retrofit to do all these things. They're slashing their capacity, which means they're getting, you know, 30% efficiency, basically, out of the investments that they're making. Um we need to thank them for keeping prices flat <laughs> because that's exactly right. That's what I was leading to at the, the yeah. to the top of the hour is the fact that the economics don't make sense. Right. But that being said, the magic is the magic and the magic has to happen. Right. Well, and, and there, there's something to be said for s- some momentum, especially for this kind of a business. Um, you know, they can afford to lose money for a little while just to keep the the pipes running, basically. But but that said, um, when it comes to airfare, you know, I, I don't like prognosticating about pricing because, you know, it's a crapshoot. But I'm going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> prices for things like airfare are going to be lower now than they're going to be later. Because right now, the the... Travel demand is still very speculative, and the airlines still are not entirely certain how many of these planes they're going to fly. And given the fact that they've already refunded over $19 billion in tickets for canceled flights, one of the things that's keeping pricing down for now is uncertainty about whether they're going to fly because they can't afford to do massive refunds again. So so they're not pricing right. at a premium. I mean the $49 flight is easy to refund. The $449 flight is not easy exactly. to refund. Exactly. You know, much. if you sell yep. 10,000 of them at $49, way easier. Exactly. Or even $78. Yeah. Right. So exactly. so the point is go ahead and book that flight now and and yeah, be smart about it. Go to Southwest, go to, you know, the other I, I they're the ones I Jet recommend Blue. most often in this situation cuz they do refund your credit. 
you know, and, it, and it's reusable. Um, but, but they're already, you know, getting pressure, whether they want to or not. I mean, I know Frontier has tried to push back and they pretty much got slapped down um, by, by the federal regulators, basically. Um, they're not going to be able to sell middle seats, okay? Period. It's just not going to happen. They're either going to have to not sell middle seats or they're going to have to go through and install plexiglass dividers or something. But no matter what it is, it's going to make it more expensive for them to fly those planes relative to what they can take in when they charge guests. And what that means is that pretty soon here, as things settle out, those airfares are going to go up at least briefly in the interim because they've got to recover that cost somewhere. So take advantage of it now because it's going to be harder to find those air bargains three months from now. It's funny you would bring up Frontier. I just recently booked uh, a Frontier flight, and that's exactly what I saw, is especially in the rear half of the plane, they're not selling the center seats, period, no matter what. The front half, yeah, they are, but uh, when you consider there's only five people on the flight in the first place, it's, you know, it, that's a whole different thing. Right. I can have a whole row to myself. Well, Frontier, what, what Frontier got pushback from was because was that they were trying to offer people the ability to buy the middle seat next to them so that it would stay empty. They wanted to upcharge people for that. Right. It was like 40 bucks to not have the middle seat, right. which is exactly. a slap in the face to all of us. But right. that's another time for another thing. But right. well, that's, I mean, that's Frontier, that Spirit, you know, the, the cheap airlines, they're going to try to do that. Absolutely. Right. But again, CDC and DOT stepped up and said, no, you can't no. do that. You can't make people pay for their safety. The other thing you can do is just drive. I mean, gas right. is cheap, guys. Get in the car. Drive. Yep. Enjoy it. Hang out with your family. Now, like, if you drive... You still got to be careful about some stuff. Public you bathrooms. Have to pay to park. Well, and public bathrooms, right? Bring your hand sanitizer, guys, wipe easy. everything down. I mean, yeah. there are different exposure issues when you drive. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think we've it's covered just about everything. Is there anything that anybody can think of that we missed in terms of, of reopening? Um, the bottom line here, folks, is it's going to be a different experience. I, I I would encourage you to think about it as, as different, right? It's just different. It's not inherently worse. For some people, it's inherently worse because the things that they're going to miss are the things that are most important to them. And that's, that's hard. Um, hopefully, those things will get a chance to come back in the future. But, um, you know, I think that, that, as we've said, there are some unique opportunities here over the next few months um, that we haven't seen ever before at Walt Disney World, and we may not see again for some time. So um, we'd love to hear your feedback. Let us know if there's something important that you want to know about that we didn't cover, uh, something that you think we covered incorrectly or that we missed. Uh, you can email us at podcast at disdads.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash disdadspodcast. And we're also on Twitter at disdadspodcast. Until next time. I've been your host, Aaron Ripmaster, along with my co-hosts, Willie Crocker, have a wicked wild night, guys, and Tim Hicks, we'll see you real soon, and our special guest, Jay Crocker. Thanks for having me again, guys.
play it down. I don't play a damn thing, man. I don't play a damn thing, man. Ooh. 